As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by Patty Barkley, Alison Rudd, and broadcasting from the Midlands, Peter Lansley. Today we'll be discussing Crawley's charge into the fifth round of the FA Cup, and also Fulham's pounding of Spurs. And with the Fernando Torres saga nearing its conclusion, we'll be discussing the player and what's going on at Liverpool. Let's start our uh, FA Cup roundup um, at the cottage, a, a place near and dear to, uh, I believe, both uh, Allison and Patty. In fact, I believe um, Spurs go there and they are absolutely killed. Uh, and it wasn't even that he put out a particularly weak lineup. Um, what happened, Allison? That's a good question, isn't it? Um, I don't know. The fact that Sandro was starting maybe undermined the confidence of the entire Spurs team. They probably thought, what's going on? Um, it's pecu- I think this is a really peculiar one because Fulham are, I think, the most predictable team in the Premier League. And I think uh, pre-match, um, Harry Redknapp was doing his I've got something up my sleeve routine. Um, and I think I think we know how to get through this cup tie with with the odd the odd um, missing personnel. I mean, Gareth Bale had a back problem, so he, he couldn't even be on the bench. Um, it's very tempting to say they're actually a one-man team without Gareth Bale to bring on it when t- 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 times get tough. But I do find it odd that he, he felt that Redknapp felt the need away from home to. Uh, experiment have Sandro as a holding a holding uh, player in front of the back four uh, to try and move Van der Vaart wide when that rarely ever works he's much better in a free roll behind usually um, a tall striker not a short one um, so it, it was I, I can't I can't guess what he thought was clever about that it seems very odd uh, Spurs are, are have, have much much more uh, expensive lauded personnel than Fulham you match them uh, 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 with Van der Vaart playing behind uh, someone in form and you you, you take the game to them and, and play them off the park. For, for some reason, he, he decided to, to do something quirky and it backfired horribly. Patty, I, I want to get your take on, on, on Sandro and also um, something else. You know, Fulham, uh, sorry, Spurs have such a strong squad that in, or such a big squad, I should say. They're in certain positions. Certain mm-hmm. guys disappear and then we just never talk about them um, again, kind of like when somebody gets sacked yeah. um, from the radio. Uh, the, what is that? Tom Huddleston... And I want to ask you this too, Peter, because, of course, he played in your neck of the woods. Mm. But um, what happened to this guy? Is he, is he injured? Do mm. we, do we, people wanted to have him People wanted to have him playing for England. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, he's like what, third, fourth, fifth in the pecking order. And then Harry needs to buy Pinar and you should have bought Parker and all this stuff. 
Does anybody like Tom Huddleston here? Is anybody willing to yeah. stick up yes. for the big man? Yes. Uh, Absolutely, I, I am. He's I, injured. I, I'm just trying to have a look on physioroom.com. I can't remember what he had, but um, yeah, he had a, a fairly serious injury that was going to be three months' absence. Yeah. Because other than that, he was um, he was a first pick for Tottenham, wasn't he? Yeah. And he's got great passing range. He's improved his athleticism. He's got vision that goes with this calibre yeah. of player in the Tottenham side. So, yeah, I'd stand up for him and, and he would be in there. I, w- I would stand up for him, certainly. Does Huddleston fit in this midfield, though, now that Pinar, the, 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 the Pinar's there and with Modric playing deeper? I mean, is, is that something you can do or do you need a guy who's just a ball winner? Uh, I, yes, you, you do. But And, and I, can, I, can, I think that the problems... Uh, uh, the problem is that the first, if you look at the Spurs uh, team sheet, the, f- the first midfield player down on the list has got to be Palacios, but Harry obviously doesn't fancy him. Um, and uh, until they get that holding position sorted out, I mean, it, the, the holding players, uh, the, the, you can't have um, Modric and another. So, uh, I, I mean, Modric must play in his Croatia position, which, which by and large, Harry has done. Uh, so that's great. Sorry, sorry, but if Modric plays in the Croatia position, which is which is okay, semi-holding, it's sort of Berlo position. Right. So it's so he's playing alongside a holding midfielder, which, and is, it's, which should be Palacios. And it's a four-two-three-one type yeah. formation, yes. and then you have Lennon yes. and Bale yes. and Van der Vaart. Yes. That's, that's what yes. we're saying. And, yes. and Pinar's watching from the bench. Correct. Well, you uh, can't no, fit no. them all in, can you? But four-four-two-three-one would no. accommodate Huddleston very nicely. You'd, I'd have a ball winner alongside him, a Palacios, or yes. or if you could get slightly better quality in there and then the rest can go go fight the other three places yeah. and you could have Lennon and Bale wide you could Paddy could you not play Modric in the hole but obviously Van der Vaart you at can. the top of his game you can if Van der Vaart's not there you can move Modric into the hole so that's fine not, not a problem the point is not everybody's going to be playing in the same position every week you look at Manchester United you know a really really good club is able to uh, to, to to mix and adjust you know you, 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 I mean you, you, you've always got to have a certain element of flexibility but you've got to know your team you've got also and the thing about Pinar is in my opinion he's been signed to play in either of the wide attacking midfield positions in the certain games where you won't want Lennon on the field and uh, you want somebody who will track back on their players so I think in some big games you might find that Pinar's there to play instead of Lennon with Lennon on the bench um, and I, I just I, I, th- I think I think there's no problem in fitting them all in you know in, and having lots of good players but I do think uh, you do need sort of a basic shape and, and until the Palacios situation sorted out I don't think Spurs will uh, would be able to avoid games like this. Just one thing I'd like to say about the Fulham Tottenham game: four 0 was a uh, was a was a distortion in a way, but uh, brought about by brilliant refereeing. Uh, the sending off of uh, Dawson I thought was excellent by the way I'd fine him two weeks for what he did to the armband I can, hate can, to see that can you please explain for those who, who missed out or who might be listening yeah. what exactly transpired with, well, with the sending off and what made it sort of I mean I have to say when I was watching it I wasn't 100% sure yeah. that he made the right decision it was a great decision a great, a great refereeing call. by Dowd uh, not only giving the penalty because um, I mean the point about it what, what, do we, what does everybody in this country hate most about football diving why does diving take place because unless you go to uh, hit the deck, you don't get penalties. And the, oh, the solution to diving is not campaigns by silly newspapers, but uh, referees giving penalties when the fouled man stays on his feet, carries on and has a shot. 
uh, which is not successful. Um, and that's exactly what Phil Dowd did. Absolutely 10 out of 10. The, the, the forward, uh, who was it, got wrong side of... Uh, uh, Dembele, wasn't it? Dembele, who had a great game. Um, uh, uh, one of one of one of many good young Belgians coming through. Interesting that uh, the uh, but he gets the wrong side. Uh, Dawson thinks fair enough. In England, you're allowed a tug. Well, anywhere really in Europe, you're allowed one tug of the shirt uh, to slow the guy down. Nobody ever gives it. Dowd did absolutely great. If we if referees did that every time, it happened. And people uh, people are confused because um, there was a sending off, and you're supposed to send someone off when a clear goal scoring opportunity has been denied. And yeah. I, I heard in the phone-ins afterwards, people were going, well, but he did he did have a shot on target, so there was no clear goal-scoring opportunity denied. Well, and I think, I, no, 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 the point is, the point is, Dembele would have uh, been able to um, shoot better if he hadn't been tugged. He tried his best under difficult circumstances, Absolutely. he got a shot on target, Absolutely. but it would have been a much more effective shot if he hadn't been fouled. Um, final point on Fulham. Um, Mark Hughes put out a very strong team. And we, we, we always go and we, you know, criticize um, Premier League managers putting weekend sides in the uh, in the FA Cup and so on. But you know, if you look at Fulham, with the exception of, of Schwarzer, who of course was otherwise preoccupied, I mean, I think this is pretty close to possibly the the, the best team he could have put out. You know, given injuries and so on. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm interested. Does, does Mark Hughes think that? Does he know something we don't? Does he think Fulham can win it? I mean, ordinarily you would think, oh, why not Sparky? Why don't you just worry about keeping Fulham in, in the top flight? But That's not very Sparky, though. It's not it? Sparky at all, I is mean, it? There is, there's something about Mark Hughes, and it's partly because he never wears a blooming coat. And it's, he doesn't need one. He wears a suit. He wears, he's always incredibly smart, regardless of whether it's minus 20. He never wears a suit, <laughs> and he never gives anything away. He's the coolest, calmest. When they were chanting for him to you know, get out or be sacked, he didn't even raise an eyebrow. And there's something about him. He gives off a slight aura of being slightly too important to be managing Fulham. And I think for that for that to have any meaning, I think he has to prove a point, which is not own... Keeping Fulham up isn't enough for Mark Hughes at all. I think he feels he has the ability, he has this deep belief that he can bring some some sort of silverware to the cottage. And I, I, I would back him to do it, actually. I don't think it's that ridiculous an assumption at all. Uh, Peter, uh, among British managers, um, among the high-profile ones anyway, with the exception of Martin O'Neill, I can't think of anybody else who, you know, of, of, of that standing, who isn't part of the gang. And, and I think, I hope you know what I mean by the gang. Um, what is it about? I mean, I think if I can figure out why O'Neill is an outsider, but, well, but why is Mark Hughes also a, a, an outsider? Is it just age-old issues with the uh, Manchester United manager? Um, what, when you say the gang, do you mean Bruce Allardyce? Yes. Fergie's acolytes and people like that. Um, acolytes, your word, not mine, but yes. <laughs> um, why is he outside the gang? Well, wasn't he, when he was a player, wasn't he meant to be very... I remember Gary Lineker describing him when they went to Barcelona together. Wasn't he, you know, pretty quiet and quite shy, quite thoughtful? So perhaps if he didn't have the same bonding when he was a player, maybe that's gone with him into management? I don't know. Um, I'm going to see if York- Paddy has a better theory here. Uh, Since you did write a book about somebody, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that what Peter says, but I just like I would endorse it and harden it up. Uh, I think that he definitely does. I mean, I remember Ferguson once told me, 
uh, I was talking about Mark Hughes and what a wonderful uh, player he was, and he j interrupted and said he's he's one funny lad, believe me. Uh, they never got on uh, particularly well. They didn't get on particularly badly, and there's mutual respect. Um, but there isn't the sort of uh, love that how can I put this that Steve the likes of Steve Bruce feel that they need to affect uh, in order to make their managerial career, careers more tranquil moving on to Torquay against Crawley and please do not say that we only obsessed about the big club but you know guys I thought this week it's the FA Cup. I, for me, generally, I am really bored whenever Premier League sides face each other or even like, championship sides, and it's under strength and it's generally rubbish. So I actually sat down and thought, hey, Torquay versus Crawley. Let's see some of these guys. And um, it was a nasty, ill-tempered game. And having read up on Mr. Steve Evans before and, and reading up about his, his 10-game ban uh, a couple years ago, um, I'm just wondering. I don't know anybody like this. I mean, he, he makes sort of you know the more sort of the more pugnacious managers. Um, I'm thinking Warnock or, or whoever you, you care to name. I mean, look like absolute wusses. Um, Peter, have you encountered anybody like this before? Like Steve Evans. Yeah. Yeah, I have actually. Immediately you were saying that, and it rings a bell. I haven't met the guy, so I don't want to prejudge him. But there are um, some non-league managers I've come across in... Now, would you guys know... There was a guy called George Borg, who yeah, was... Yeah. yeah? He was <laughs> Chesham United manager, and he was so spiky, and he had such a fantastic ego, and it was great. <laughs> when I was on the Bucks Free Press covering him with Manor from Heaven, um, and then they had some good FA Cup ties... Anyway, he was, he was on the non-league circuit, Enfield as well, and he would just love rubbing people up the wrong way. But was he, he corrupt? Was he corrupt? <laughs> 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 I couldn't possibly comment, not to my knowledge, no. But that's what makes Evans stand out. Okay, for the <laughs> he record, was prosecuted yeah, for, for tax evasion. He, okay, I don't, Successfully prosecuted I for tax evasion. I think some evasion. forms of tax avoidance aren't necessarily... He quite, lied about how much his players were paid, so no one um, had to pay enough tax. Yeah, he did. That's he, he, true. He, Does he, it affect his management? when he goes into an FA Cup tie. Alison, that's directed at you. Does it affect his management? Yeah. Well, it's, it's part of a clue to his personality. Advantage yeah. Lansley, I think. But I, I just want to make a point here. And in the case of Steve Evans, yes, when he was at Boston United, um, he, was, uh, he, was, he, was, he received a ban from the FA. He was found guilty of making illegal payments to players. Um, people may wonder, what does illegal payments mean? And I think generally, and I'm not 100% sure this was the case there, but a lot of times when this happens is players are paid bonuses in cash or they're given uh, um, other uh, other inducements and what that does the reason those are illegal payments is that obviously they don't pay taxes on them therefore they it's, can pay more and therefore they obtain an unfair advantage over other clubs that's why exactly it's, and a it's lot of those clubs cheating as yeah. well as, as right. illegal and it used to happen quite a bit I mean I remember you hear about certain clubs yeah. you know, the chairman's turnstile and so yeah. on but a lot of those places where you go and you just pay cash on the day and you don't have a real ticket you know it's extremely easy to just you know 
squirrel the money away and, and, and pay people. So he was found guilty of that. And then later he was found guilty, as, as Allison points out, and this time by the revenue of, of tax evasion. He received a 12-month suspended sentence. Um, but it is relevant to his management style, isn't it? it is he bounces back. He, he, obviously, he obviously has quite a high opinion of himself and, well, and is a larger-than-life character. Feel, that sort, he's that sort of manager, isn't he? Yes, people who feel they can ride roughshod over the inland revenue in that sort of a way uh, may behave in the, have, a, have a similar management. So I don't know enough about Steve Evans, but um, I've, I've, I've learned everything I've learned about dear Steve. Uh, in the last 10 minutes. In the <laughs> last... Well, by the way, he's another, he's another manager from, from Glasgow. You know, when we, we, we talked about recent, really? recent podcasts, yes, about well, other six that just, Glaswegian managers that, that in the Premier League. It. That proves it, then. Says the Dundonian. But, Ban you know. him. Um, <laughs> the, the, the other big thing about Crawley is people call them the Manchester uh, City of the South. They have spent a tremendous amount of, mm. of money. Um, I read that they've actually spent more than all League Two clubs combined. And League Two, of course, is a division above them. Mm. Now, the conference is sort of uh, an odd mix of clubs because you get you get some clubs that, that do have a lot of money. Other clubs are just little clubs. You get clubs that spend a lot more than you would logically expect them to be spending. Mm. And you get a lot of resentment. I think AFC Wimbledon faced that uh, a few years ago when uh, you know when, when they'd sort of show up with like you know 3,000 supporters and we were playing against you know, teams with you know, one man and his dog. Mm. Um, but I'm just wondering, does this kind of take some of the romance away? Because Crawley could become the, the, the if, if they advance to um, the quarterfinals, and given that they're playing Manchester United away, mm. you probably think the run ends here. But if they did, they would be the first non-league side since uh, Tottenham Hotspur in 1901. And no, I'm not being unkind to them, but they were a non-league team in 1901. Um, to get that far, I mean, mm. and you look back, you know, they, they bought this dude Sergio Torres from two divisions above them. Uh, they, 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 they bought the two, the joint top scorers in the conference last year. They just went out and bought both of them and left one of these guys on the bench against Torquay. Does this somehow diminish the romance? Not when they're playing Manchester United. I, I don't think um, that, that any journalist will refer to Moneybags Crawley while <laughs> chronicling that game. Um, so, I mean, of course, we'll, we'll forget all that um, when they're playing Manchester United. I mean, heavens, Spurs um, feel like underdogs when they go to Old Trafford. Um, but I, I, I think, I, I suppose it affects the the romance uh, of, the, of the match against Torquay, um, I was supporting uh, Torquay in that way. On that, that's just because we both like Helen Chamberlain, and uh, because we, and it's in my case, I, I don't know who Helen Chamberlain is, but I it, in excuse my case, me, I, I you don't like, watch Soccer AM. I like no, I certainly do not. Does anybody? Am I the only one who watches Soccer AM? Yeah, you're, I don't watch you're obviously a, really a five-year-old struggling to get out. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, no, admittedly, it's uh, it's yeah. not as good since Lovejoy left, but still. But I, I do Sorry. I do watch ESPN, the football broadcaster, and uh, the um, excellent presenter Rebecca Lowe introduced me to the manager of Torquay, one Paul Buckle, who happens to be her partner in life. And he's a good chap, isn't he? He's a great lad. He's, he's uh, very keen to learn. Very young, and um, he. I was I was very very impressed with him, and uh, I think I think Gabby, what you've touched on is that when it comes to the FA Cup and romance, we 
for some reason as a nation we like everything to be very clear about what is romantic and what is not and we expect the lower division club or the non-league club to behave in a certain way to be terribly doff capping respectful to their the, the, the clubs they could only dream about even talking to or swapping shirts with. Mm. And what people don't like about Crawley is that they've got attitude and they have a bit of dosh. And it, 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 that somehow spoils the fairy tale. Fairy tales are very simplistic things. We don't, mm. we just, I think as a country, well, don't like it. And, we, and what you often find is that the big club facing the, the smaller club finds anything possible to nitpick about what they're not doing right, how disrespectful they're being. They, it's, it's almost a sort of throwback to upstairs, downstairs days where you're supposed to behave. And a certain way. Mm. But isn't this good? Doesn't God put us on this earth in certain stations for a reason? <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. I mean, you've I'm, worked on just about every station. Exactly. <laughs> um, it isn't very romantic, though, is it? I agree with Alison, and, and, and Tom was writing similarly this morning, that they do, they do, you know, they break the code of FA Cup romance, don't they, with the amount of money spent, and also that brashness that came across in their attitude in, in warming up in the area, in trying to slow the game down so much, in, in even the way they squabbled over the ball for the penalty. It was like spoiled kids over the Christmas tree it was um it didn't come across very nicely at all but then what did what did we all make of rushton and diamonds so there was a lot of jealousy when they came surging yes. through into the football league and now there they are back in the middle of the conference they they had to put up all, with all the envy didn't they I, I, I think maybe one of the differences with uh, with with rushton and diamonds and uh, believe me i'm not a follower of football at this level but tom dart enlightened us all mm. uh, a, a few weeks ago is that in rushton diamonds case you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Crossroads wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan ramash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to I'm sure it's only a matter of time head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information 
is you had a very wealthy owner yes. who sort of saw it as pretty much a philanthropic exercise, even when, you know, he 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 basically put the money in, in I believe, in, in, in a trust for the club so that it can continue. It was sort he of was a Jack the, Walker the type. Jack Walker of Yeah. Um, in this case, you know, you... Can be careful here, but you know, just Google Crawley. Yeah. Um, there, there's there's a lot of mudslinging going on about that um, uh, at that level about 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 where about who the owners are, why they're putting money into the club, and so on. Um, and I think a lot of it is, is unfair. And you know, we heard all the same things when Roman Abramovich bought bought Chelsea. But mm-hmm. you know, and I think we, we need to be responsible. But by the same token, um, I think there's no question that they are creating. A huge competitive imbalance, and it's, it's a little bit like you know we, we all love AFC Wimbledon, right? Yes. Wasn't it great? And yet, when the club was formed, simply because of their history, yeah. all of a sudden they just dwarfed but, everybody else. FC United, the same thing, you know. But, but Nobody the, wants to play. There them is a there is way. a natural corrective here, and I think that whenever anybody's called the Manchester City of fill in league, that's the time to start worrying. My team is Dundee, my club, club of my heart is Dundee, and we were known last season as the Manchester City of the Scottish Iron Brew, whatever it is, First Division. We're now, of course, in uh, administration for the second time in eight years and uh, with a fine of cur- a perfectly justified fine of 25 points on our heads. So watch out, Crawley. Moving on to our debate this week. Now, if you're lighter, you may be listening to this on, on Monday night and be one of the first downloaders, as I am at 6 p.m., because I like the sound of my own voice. Um, or you may listen to this later in the week. So um, we'll be discussing transfers now I, and the transfer window and Fernando Torres. I, obviously, some of these transfers, because it's deadline day today, as we speak, they could be going through. We're locked in a studio. We have no contact with the outside world. We're deep in the bowels here in in, in, in Wapping. Um, Very frustrated, I can tell you. But I, I think this Torres story, regardless of what happens, I think is big enough that it's worth looking at how this unfolded, um, you know, in the Times, we've done a lot of report, uh, reporting through, through through Tony Barrett, um, who's just a little bit of a Liverpool fan. Um, what I want to throw at, I mean, I, I want to talk to the Liverpool fan who's here. Um, now, I'm, I don't know if your, your your heart was broken when you were a little girl and, and Kevin Keegan left, um, Alison, but... Uh, did, did, did this issue with of loyalty? I mean, Ollie Kay writes it about it today as well. Is it disloyal ever to hand in a transfer request when you are playing, when you're highly paid, and you know when you're productive? Well, it's it's like all relationships. If you're if you're skipping through the daisies, really happy with the relationship you're in, and your partner says, "I, I want to leave," and you're, "No, no, 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 we're happy." We're really happy. Why would you want to leave? That's what it's like being a football fan every day, almost. It's like being in a loving relationship and you're the one who thinks it's all going well and someone's fallen in love with someone else and it's out of your control. And it's, it's horrible. And I think it's, re- I think it's one, of the re- one of the many reasons it's good to be involved in football because it, t- it teaches you about the heartache of life. And I think Liverpool fans find it almost, almost you know, it's, it's hard to, to comprehend how you could be 
at Liverpool. <laughs> this was a man who has a song, a beautiful song, um, sung for him about his the armband that fell off when he was playing for Atletico Madrid that said, you'll never walk alone. And he suddenly appears at your club and he's an instant success. Sorry, if I may interject there. Back in the day, uh, a few game podcasts. I was halfway through ago, a poem, Gap, no, and on, you interrupted hang on, hang it. On. No, 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 no. This is important, actually. Alison used to sing on the game podcast. You just described a beautiful Fernando Torres uh, a related song because unlike you and I think unlike Lamsley, I'm not a regular frequenter of the cop. Would you care to, to sing it or at least relate the lyrics? <laughs> I've been told by my lawyers never to sing again. Can you tell us what the words are of the two his armband said His armband said he was a red Torres Torres. You'll never walk alone, it said Torres Torres. Mm. It's just beautiful. Mm. We bought the lad from sunny Spain. Oh. Uh, it's typical of the kind of schmaltz that football uh, that gets football the ball fans, and scores again. Football fans fall for, isn't it? I mean, isn't that just? No, but I was going I, to go no, on to no, say. I was going to go on to say. It, it, it's it's what angle you come from. So from the fans' point of view, if you're a Liverpool fan, and this applies to whichever club, assuming it's a, a reason, it, it, it becomes blurred if you're talking about a lower division clubs. Because I think on the whole, if you if you support someone far far down the pyramid, and you've got a player who who is is asked to go to a bigger club or wants to go to a bigger club, you, you tend to applaud him off and say, well done, and we're we're really proud we helped form you, and mm. off you go, and you deserve it, lad. And there's no hard feelings at all. You don't expect someone who's a star to stay put. But if you're a Liverpool fan. And you, you know, Torres is doing what you, your, your dreams are being played through him. So he's he's where you'd love to be. So you just love him like you'd love your, your son or your father or whatever age you are. That's how you you throw all your emotions into him. He says all the right things. Um, he loved he loved Spain. He loved Atletico, but he came to Liverpool. He'd always had a thing for them and their traditions. And he's there. You know, he's made it. Things haven't gone particularly brilliantly for Liverpool, but he's there and and things are on the up. And he's, why on earth would you, having been brought into the family and we love you so much, why on earth would you want to go? And it's there's, then there's a massive wall there. All those things I said, they mean absolutely nothing to the individual at all. He's not a Liverpoolian. He. He has, he hasn't. It isn't a dream come true for him playing for Liverpool. He's, he's somebody who's very aware of his age, that he, you know, be, in the blink of an eye, he'll be. People be saying he's too slow and he's past it. He's, he's scared. He's obviously advised by people who, who feed off that fear, and he wants, he wants massive glory before it's too late. That, and, um, and that. Those two points of view, there is no coming together on that. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what Alison said, said before, and, and it's not a Liverpool-specific question, about how you know it's like being in a relationship where, where one party believes that they're really happy and the other one says, actually, I've been unhappy for some time now. And any of us who have ever had our hearts broken it's might have... It's not you, it's me. Exactly. That, that, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, I, I'm wondering, Patty, is it mm-hmm. because ultimately, you know, as football supporters, we think we know these people better than we do. Yes, and, that's exactly and, and, and it's not that Torres has necessarily been deceitful. I mean, I know he was being raked no. over, over the coals for what he said and so no. on. I mean, I, I'm trying to think, has there been no. a superstar who's Torres. been... And actually, if you fill in on this too in your answer, has there been a superstar who has been universally loved by his fans but has always maintained an absolute distance? Like, listen, I'm a professional. I'm doing this for the money because I enjoy playing. I just happen to be here and, and I'll produce as long as I'm here. Yes. Has there been somebody who's been able to keep 
keep that that distance from his own supporters. I think Liverpool, the the, the notion of of of, lo- of loyalty that that Liverpool fans uh, develop over certain players, I mean, uh, was exaggerated in this case. Um, I, I think that, however, that Torres has been no more disloyal than Luis Suarez, who, after all, is is leaving a great club for Liverpool. Uh, I mean, Ajax. Uh, I think that that. Uh, Torres, the, the, yeah, but the, Ajax are kind of ha- Ajax fans are like, ooh, this is a lot of money. I mean, they're used to it. I mean, the thing is, to go back, what well, Alison they, said, they I mean, you talk about great clubs, but they're like, ooh, 26 million, this is fantastic. They may be used to it, but it, it, in my opinion, that, that Liverpool should not imagine that they're anything other uh, now, at the moment, for all their great history. Uh, I'm sure the fans of Stad Reims uh, had to go through the same process of a, a, a club with probably its best years behind it. A small stadium, low revenue uh, uh, potential, which they are, I must, which which they have certainly improved uh, in the last few years, but still very, very low revenue potential because of the economy, the local economy. Um, they have a, a, a fantastic potential, uh, which they're ignoring because they're not building a new stadium. Uh, so. Uh, I think he's looked around and said, look, these figures just don't add up. And I think that the, 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 you can say, yes, but he's still got a contract. But when a player waits till the end of his contract, like Saul Campbell, he's reviled to a far greater extent. And we must stop looking at contracts as some kind of uh, marriage right. certificate, to use uh, <laughs> Alison's analogy, and start being a bit grown up and bearing in mind that they're just forms of insurance, basically. Well, when I've talked to footballers, I mean, I know that, for example, for Gianluca Vialli, winning a title at Sampdoria and reaching a Champions League final with Sampdoria was probably worth more than winning the Champions League with with Juventus. For Steven Gerrard, one title uh, medal with Liverpool would probably mean as much as Phil Neville's 10 with Manchester United. Or Phil Neal's 50 with or, Liverpool. Exactly. Uh, and and uh, just as for Shearer, one title uh, with with one piece of silverware with, with Newcastle would have meant everything. Whoa. So I, I don't agree with counting medals, but there are certain players... Um, or, or leaving just to win something with anybody. But there are certain players who... God has not given the privilege of being with a potent club. And the club of Torres's heart, the only club of Torres's heart, is Atletico de Madrid. Well, exactly. But, but not you, you said something very be... interesting there uh, because you said uh, uh, God has not given you know, Torres the ability to. Yes. Or, or the, Therefore, to, he's, to a, become, he's a mercenary. But, but, but God, God has made Torres Spanish. Mm. And that meant he played for the greatest national team side in the world that we've seen the last few years. Yes. And he's played at Euro 2008 and won it. Yes. And he's played at the World Cup and won it. I mean, maybe he didn't play a huge part in the World Cup because he had his injuries or whatever. But it was all set up for him. So I don't know. This whole sort of ambition thing, I don't buy it. You won the biggest prizes that, uh, that, that, that there are in football. I mean, I mean, he wants to be playing just as just as you, you you know you would like to be appearing on the most important media outlets. I already am. Fernando, exactly. Um, so it's you, it's ill behoves you to criticise Torres for wanting to play at the highest level of his profession, which is the Champions League. Is, is that and that's that's that, that's more meaningful and well, higher level? He's for come him to the conclusion that the chances he's been, he's the chances been, of Liverpool playing in the Champions League before he is thirty are decidedly 50-50. Lansley, uh, do footballers' minds work that way? I think the majority of them do. I, 
you know, Bosman's got to come into this at some point because until that changes, the the, pl- the bigger players at the bigger clubs will always hold sway. Wait, well, sorry. So you say, I, I, I mean, but isn't that right? Because they're the people who who score the goals and they put bums in seats and they help you win things. I mean, would you would you advocate going back to the the pre-Bosman days when you know a club's contract could run out and he could move anywhere unless the club allowed him to? Uh, yeah, I would. I think yeah? football was. Do you better. like indentured servitude and slavery as well? <laughs> I'll draw a line there. But um, I, I think the uh, the boss, the amount of power that players have now is ludicrous. It's distorted football. It's contributed to the manner in which uh, we have such a top-heavy game, and the the uh, um, is it schism that the massive the chasm between the Premier League and the End Power League all goes back to. Um, John Mark, John Paul Bosman. What was his name? John Mark Bosman, 1995. John Mark Bosman, yeah. And um, and it's his fault. So, so, sorry, Lansley. Uh, can I just say, in the interest of fairness, you just mentioned the sponsor of of the uh, of the football league, but you did not mention the sponsor of the Premier League. He's trying to readdress the chasm. Clearly, Paddy, you get the last word on this. Uh, the last word I'd like to say is that had Fernando Torres put in a transfer request a month earlier than he did, it would have been, I can confidently tell you, that every single newspaper in the land, including ours, would have described it as a devastating indictment on Roy Hodgson. I knew it was going to get back to Hodgson. Thank you, (laughs) Barry. It's true. All right, time now for some quick hits. Arsenal go down to 10 men and struggle to get past Huddersfield 2-1. While they avoid the replay, Samir Nasri injures his hamstring and could miss the Barcelona clash in the Champions League. Paddy, is this what we call a Pyrrhic victory? And what did you make of that somewhat questionable late penalty? Um, well, I, I, my usual rule is that when a player falls uh, under challenge, when uh, presented with an open goal, it's, it's bound to be a penalty, because otherwise why would they fall? When it's Nicholas Bentner involved, of course, the <laughs> question becomes more complicated. Uh, but yes, it was a. Uh, it, but what I can't understand is why, if it was a penalty, it wasn't a red card, because you couldn't get a much clearer goal-scoring opportunity than that one. Maybe Again, you... the Bentner factor may come into play. The le- but <laughs> well, if you ask me double questions, you should give double time. Michael Bradley is reportedly joining Aston Villa with Stephen Ireland going to Newcastle. Um, Peter, who's getting the better of these loan deals? And also, after spending big on McCoon and Bent, has Randy Lerner changed his mind about not raiding the club coffers? Good business for Aston Villa. I think um, Bradley with his engine, he's got drive, he's got goals, um, he presses high up with Petrov behind him will be a good signing. Ireland has been an unmitigated disaster. He, for his own sake, needs to find a new club and good luck to him at Newcastle, but please leave Villa. Uh, Randy... Um, yes, he's, he's moved the goalposts. He didn't want to spend this big, but Paul Faulkner was telling us in December that you can't judge a manager before he's had a decent transfer window. 31 seconds? Well done there. And by the way, uh, Bradley in Ireland, in my opinion, but neither one playing with a full deck, although in very, very different ways. And if you haven't seen those pictures of Stephen Ireland's princess room in his house, please find them. They're on the Internet. And you can find them on my Twitter feed on the Internet as well. Andy Gray has left Sky. Allison, uh, you're more likely than any of us here to have dealt with sexism in football. Um, what was more damaging, uh, the comments about women not understanding the offside rule or the Charlotte Jackson incident? Neither. I mean, ultimately... Um, the ex- 
expose has made a lot of people who hold similar views reassess those views and that can only be good both for football and for interaction between the sexes in the workplace. The loser's been Sean Massey in my opinion. She will she will forever be the pub quiz question who was who was the assistant referee who got Andy Gray the sack. And this of course is the podcast where the panellists are allowed to hit back. So Gab here's one for you. Jose Mourinho's Real Madrid suffered defeat at the hands of Osasuna. What's going on? Surely not the special one's fault. Um, I, I, he's obviously had a whole bunch of issues. Higuain out. He's got a small squad. But, you know, frankly, it's probably time that he takes time out from him. He hits the pause button in his long-running battle with Jorge Valdano and focuses on as a team and focuses on actually coaching and working on the pitch because tactically Real Madrid are absolutely nowhere. This looks like a collection of 11 individuals. And, uh, frankly, if they're doing so well in the league, it's down to the absolute superhuman efforts of one Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you take him out of the side, and this is a completely disjointed jointed outfit and, and I think Mourinho needs to focus on that for now uh, otherwise it won't matter if he wins the power struggle with Valdano or not. You may have noticed the Times and Sunday Times have a new Facebook page and we have our very own section uh, on there, those of us uh, on the game podcast uh, and you can send us questions and become part of, uh, of Quick Hits and that's what Kamal uh, Marwaha has done and congratulations Kamal, you are the first person to uh, make their way from the Facebook page into Quick Hits and uh, here's a question, it's directed at Patty. Patty, I was shocked to hear that Sir Alex banned a former Manchester United players from contributing to your biography on him. Can you explain why he has so much animosity towards journalists? Wenger doesn't behave like this, and nor did Sir Matt Busby. Kamal, that couldn't be a better question, and uh, your information is absolutely spot on. Uh, he... Uh, the only thing I take issue with you on um, is be in being shocked, um, because I I've been aware, I've sort of known him, Ferguson, for quite a long, long time, and uh, he doesn't uh, normally like uh, people writing books about him. Uh, I did talk to him before I wrote mine and uh, asked, explained that it was a perfectly legitimate project, and he took eventually took my point, which I credited him for. He then changed his mind and banned everybody for giving no reason whatsoever, uh, which I thought was appalling behaviour. Um, and uh, uh, the first person I found out was Steve Bruce, who, who didn't return calls, which is just not like Steve. But uh, Ferguson does exert that kind of influence on people whom you might perceive as pretty tough. Um, he, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Um, Wenger was another. Um, who I think was uh, dissuaded by Ferguson from cooperating with the book. Uh, luckily, I had private conversations with him in the past, which were able to be brought into uh, the, that part of it. Um, you're quite right as well in drawing the distinction with Sir Matt Busby, an altogether different sort of a man. Although, in fairness to Ferguson, he has duplicated all Sir Matt's great, great achievements at Manchester United almost exactly. Um, um, so we can't take that away from him. Uh, but I must say that his uh, behaviour towards journalists uh, is all to do with his control freakery um, and the fact that he doesn't like other people having platforms for opinions and for perceived influence. Although, if, frankly, if journalists like me had as much influence as he thinks we might have, uh, I'd be very flattered indeed. And the world would be a much better place. Now, you'll notice uh, Facebook questions get 120 seconds if they're directed at Paddy <laughs> compared to the usual 20 
55 second answers on quick hits but Patty's book is called Football Bloody Hell it's published by uh, Yellow Jersey Press and uh, and you can get it really cheaply on uh, um, what's that thing Amazon now, in addition to the Facebook page where you can leave comments, and we'll, as I said, we're going to pick one of your questions every week to be part of Quick Hits on our game podcast, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find all your news, your gossip, your analysis, and also our web chats. Mine's coming up on Mondays. Uh, Ollie Kays does his on Wednesdays. Patty does his on? Tuesdays. Thank you, Patty. That's all we've got time for today. Thanks so much for following. Take care. listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.